Across the Margin, the podcast. I am your host, Michael Shields, and today, in our second of back-to-back episodes dedicated to music, we shine a light on the music of Ida May. Ida May is a British duo comprised of husband and wife team of Chris Turpin and Stephanie Jean Ward. Inspired by American roots music, Ida May's music is sincere and honest, where a classic Americana sound is bolstered occasionally with rockin' British blues moments. Ida Mae recently released their debut album entitled Chasing Lights, and it's truly a stunner of a debut. And I'm thrilled to have one half of Ida Mae and Chris Tur- Turpin here on this episode to talk about it. When I first came upon Ida Mae, it was through a single they released prior to the album drop entitled If You Don't Love Me. Before we move on, let's listen to a touch of this beautiful track.
So I was obviously deeply taken by that track when I first heard it. The um, music is so genuine and beautiful and affecting. And so it led me to the album eventually when it was released. And I have to say, I was incredibly surprised about what I came upon when I came to the album. This is something I talk about with Chris in the interview as uh, there are a few tracks and, and specifically the ones that kick it off that that are very different than the subtle nature of this one. And um, one of those, uh, for example, is entitled Boom, 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 which kicks the album off. It's the first song and it features Dweezil Zappa on guitar shredding with Chris. the varying soundscapes on Chase and Light were surprising, as both Chris and Stephanie were in a band prior called Kill It Kid, which was an alternative rock band whose music was rife with edge. That band was actually blowing up. It had put out three albums, 
had a strong following and was being chased by major labels. But Chris and Stephanie eventually followed their heart and went in another musical direction. That is something Chris and I do discuss in this interview. We also discuss Chris's various musical influences, which are plentiful. Uh, we talk about the themes present within Chase and Lights. We talk about their recent tour with Greta Van Fleet and, uh, and a whole lot more. Check it out. Check out this interview and definitely check out Ida Maid's album, Chasing Light. It's great. But before we dive in, just a reminder that Across the Margin, the podcast is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Osiris is a global community connecting passionate fans with podcasts and experiences about artists and topics they love. Go to OsirisPod.com to see all the podcasts, events, and other varying content they have to offer. They have plenty of music podcasts, and um, just really check it out. Sign up for the newsletter while there, and um, hey, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Chris Turpin. Yes, I am I don't mean just you by any means. No. Hey, uh, thank you so much for calling in, making the time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Um, I know it's been a bit uh, that the album's been out a couple months, but congrats on uh, Chasing Lights. Beautiful, absolutely stunning album. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, can I get a little uh, backstory? I'm assuming some of the listeners uh, might be, you know, being introduced to to you guys uh, through this uh, episode here. I was wondering if you could um, tell us a little bit about how, uh, I know there was a previous band you were both in, I think we'll, we'll touch on that soon, but um, I'm curious how uh, you guys found each other and how your musical worlds collided and how this all began. Sure, well we, uh, we were in a rock and roll band, a sort of underground rock and roll band in the UK mm-hmm. and Europe for a few years. And me and Steph were living in a city called Bath in the UK. Yep. And uh, I was going out almost every night I could and playing as many open mic nights as I possibly could in nice. the city. Yeah. I had beaten up old Stella Parler guitar and I would play um, old blues songs and songs I was working on a writing and mm. um, a lot of bottleneck slide guitar and she started coming to my shows and uh, she would sit sort of very austerely at the back of the room oh. uh, looking terrifying and, uh, <laughs> and, I would, <laughs> and I would play these open mic nights until eventually um, I would decide to put a band together with another guy and I said everyone was saying hey you need to hear her sing because she has kind of female blues voice yeah, yeah. kind of the, the opposite end of the spectrum to yours mm-hmm. and uh, I did not to be in the band and that's that's kind of how it began and that was that was years ago now oh, that's, yeah. that's fantastic so you mentioned um, you know you were playing blues guitar I'm curious about your uh, personal influences and, and musically what, did, what were you listening to growing up <laughs> Oh man, I used to, we listened to everything yeah, growing up. Yeah, my mom yeah. was into choral music. Oh yeah, and, uh, sang in church choirs, yep. and yep. then my dad listened to a lot of Creedence and a lot of the Stones and a lot of Free. And then you, you know, found our way back to the Muddy Waters and little bits of BB King that he had. And then uh, I discovered that whole sort of Detroit rock revival scene that happened yeah. with the Bon Bondies and the White Stripes yep. and Kills and stuff. And I was reading an interview and I heard I read a song. Read someone mentioned Blind William McTell and Robert Johnson. Yeah. And I just kind of, I've always been a bit of a kind of musical historian. I love the ethnomusicology, where things come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just followed it back to the source, basically, and, and very quickly discovered, you know, Sunhouse and Robert Johnson and Blind Willie Johnson and Blind Blake and Reverend Gary Davis and Fred McDowell and John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. All this real early country blues stuff that I was just 
hooked on from the moment I heard it. I'd never heard anyone as a, you know, this kind of gunslinger, one man and a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Attitude. <laughs> and it just was just beat everything else I was listening to at that particular moment. And that became the heart of what I loved anyway. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. You can hear like so many of those influences in your music and the kind of the Americana um, roots music that, that you guys play. Let me ask you about Kill It Kids, because uh, that was the other band you were in previously. From all uh, accounts that I've read, the band was doing um, pretty incredible. I think they were signing to Warner Brothers, and then was it? did you just choose to go uh, a musical, uh, different musical direction than that, or just did, it just, you know, did it take its course? Yeah, it was kind of complicated. We started okay. that band. We started as kids. We were in that band. Yeah. And uh, things changed and moved as time had gone on. And we'd grown up in that band. And we were in a very different place, you know, yep. by our third record. And also a lot of those fantastic record deals that we signed yep. <laughs> yeah. were also really bad. <laughs> oh, deals. really? Um, so we really kind of tied ourselves in knots. Okay, I and didn't we know weren't that. really, um, in terms of the industry, we were in a pretty bad situation. Oh, man. And uh, it was not a make or break for me and Steph, but we, you know, we named the band after a Blind William Mattel song. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd heard Blind William Mattel sing with his wife. And that was initially how I wanted to do stuff with Steph. And we'd been pushed and pushed into this kind of harder rock scene. Yeah. And yeah. it just didn't feel comfortable anymore. And, um, you know, it takes a long time to get a musical project off the ground. And, sure. you know, the last couple of years, in, in Kill It Kid, me and Steph were, I was writing more acoustic songs and ballads like you hear on the record now. And, and we were actually playing in this tiny bar. So we moved back to my hometown. And we ended up, while we weren't touring off the road, playing in this tiny pub at a place called Lowestoft. Mm-hmm. And just playing a load of songs out there. Called, it's called the Stanford Arms. And a friend of mine said, hey, you should come and support us. This tiny pub is a bit of a rough area, but the people are great. And uh-huh. it's a, kind of a weird gig. <laughs> but come and join in. And anyway, we ended up playing there, I think, like every Sunday for, for uh, like once a month for a for, I don't know, 10 months or something. And we, yeah. we played all these new songs that we were working on and we went from having like, I don't know, eight people in this pub uh-huh. to having like a hundred and something all crammed in every time we played. You know, from bikers to fishermen to, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. It was because it was on the coast. So that was kind of the... Uh, Genesis of the all, yeah. It, it was like, okay, we should, we should start this if we can get it to work in, in this bar. It can work somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the testing ground. That's, that's such a cool story. That's cool. Um, yeah. It's funny, when I was introduced to your um, music, it was uh, someone sent me the track, If You Don't Love Me, um, with the video. And uh, so then when I eventually picked up your album and I listened to, you know, because that song is just lush and and gorgeous and, you know, more subtle, though. But I finally picked up your album and, you know, it it kicks in the doors, kind of. You know, it's it's all powerful out the gate. I mean, you got Boom, Boom, Boom and My Girl is a Heartbreak. Boom, Boom, Boom. That's the one with um, Dweezil Zapper, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's so cool. So, yeah, it was, like, sonically bigger than I thought. I'm, I'm curious um, if you could just kind of describe the sound that you find throughout the album, because it does vary. It really does. Yeah. And it was, uh, I think it was just the case of working with Ethan. Yeah, uh, that's the producer, producer, Ethan yeah. Johns, is that, uh, you know, we let the songs kind of go where they were going to go. We didn't really plan much. Pre-production was more talking about... Um, you know, uh, how, how to sing songs and lyrics and words and what instrumentation we might use, but we didn't go through parts of anything. Mm-hmm. When it came to actually tracking the record, we pretty much did everything live. We except a few overdubs, did all the vocals and the guitar and all the solos, everything live, straight to tape. And we did most of the songs in about four takes, and we probably got them on the second or third, probably, sometimes mm-hmm. the first. And Ethan played drums on the whole record. 
I worked with a great bass player called Nick Peeney, who played on the whole record as well. And so we kind of didn't give too much thought to the Sonics. It just, they just kind of opened up in front of us. Yeah. We knew we wanted to um, sonically, you know, have these older influences of Americana, like my resonated guitars, and my old acoustics, and only using very small, low wattage valve amps. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to kind of use those sounds, which immediately, you know, conjure up, you know, certain older blues records. Sure earlier styles of music but we wanted to pull them into new directions and that's what the song Chasing Lights is you know there's strange ethereal reverb and octave pedals mm-hmm. on that resonator and you know drum machines and all sorts of stuff just to kind of disjoint it a little and make it sound fresher yeah. uh, and also you know I think a lot of music now has become so homogenized and commoditized for to grab people's attention on Spotify and on radio <laughs> that you have to kind of have Every song kind of sounds like a single because yeah. everyone was trying to write the single over and over again, yep. hoping and praying the record company gets behind yeah. one of the songs. As <laughs> we didn't give a well, we didn't give a, a, anything about that. We didn't think about it at all. We just wanted to record the songs that we liked the most yep. in the way that seemed most suitable, and that and that gives you a large variety of approaches on the record. I think, and yeah. that's like those old classic records that we love from the band Christmas Nash and Zeppelin and Cream or whoever else they have that dynamic exactly there's a whole lot of different experiences within that whole overall experience absolutely and I think it's a shame now that we we don't hear that as much um, because I think listeners love it when they're given the opportunity to spend some time with the record exactly stick into it the highs and lows of the whole thing it's a whole experience exactly uh, how cool is it um, uh, uh, recording and you guys did it in real world studios right we did yeah Yeah. it's got a little history in there (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. It was a dream come true. Yep. Yeah, to work in that studio with Ethan. It was, uh, yeah, kind of amazing. But then, I mean, most of it was conversation. Yeah. We found out there's, there's a lot of conversation with Ethan and uh, about 20% recording. So, oh, wow. Wow, that's cool. I mean, yeah, that's... You know, there's a lot of discussion and mm-hmm. then you come, try and capture the moment. You, yeah. you don't overwork things. You don't overthink things, which is kind of fun. Yeah, so... um it's a way to work. The title track is gorgeous, um, uh, Chasing Lights, and... Um, I'm assuming that song, being the title track, means something special to you, to, to you both. What is what is Chasing Lights um, lyrically infer? I'm curious. Yeah, well, it came to, well, this is a kind of, it's quite a romantic record because it could be Steph, mm-hmm. you know, got married, you know, and uh, we thought if we were ever going to write some love songs, it's going to be now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's always, <laughs> we always kind of trying to put a twist, twist in things, mm-hmm. a little bit of sadness, a little bit of anger or something strange. Yeah. And uh, Chasing Lights seems to have that, um, slightly haunting um, you know pining for someone that is kind of uh, too far gone to come back mm-hmm. and, um, and when we were recording that song it kind of became something that we didn't expect it became larger than some of its parts if, that's, if that makes sense you know we just started to play along to this drum machine and sang it through a few times and then we listened back and we went wow that's that's not necessarily what we expected to happen and we played you know Peter Gabriel's piano on it uh-huh. Called it backwards and did all sorts of strange things. Uh-huh. And it just kind of came up a beautiful metaphor as well. I think, you know, for a lot of people in the industry, it's such a battle. And uh, we had to, we, I mean, even on this record alone, we worked our way through two major labels mm. before we got to working with 30 Tigers, who we're working with now. We worked our way through Decker M, actually, one of those. And kind of chasing lights became, I think, a bit of a metaphor for that as well yeah. you know so, and it seemed like a, a good tagline 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, you mentioned how it was a romantic um, album, and you know, based on that. But uh, there's, you know, it's it's weighty in a lot of ways. And I was I was wondering if you could speak, you know, thematically on what what you can find in the album. I mean, there's up there's as I mentioned earlier, there's ups and downs, and yes, there's that push push and pull of love throughout. There's there's you know, there's some weighty things here. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, um. Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny because me and Steph have known each other for so long. We've made music together for mm-hmm. so long that it's kind of second nature. And we were kind of best friends before we got together. Um, we've had a kind of we don't we haven't really thought about it until actually this year. It's it's been a year since we've lived in Nashville. Okay. And you know, since we were twenty, you know, nineteen, we've been um, on the road, you know, traveling as much as we humanly can, kind of. A, minimum wage sometimes and not much money but having this kind of odd adventure I grew up reading you know, Jack Kerouac and Woody Guthrie and you know, J.D. Salinger and then you know hearing about all this, you know, the stories and the freight trains from these guys and, and listening to country music and the Carter family and chess records and stacks and Muscle Shoals and the, the great American kind of frontier was a really exotic thing and since yeah. we've been here and this year we've worked out that we've traveled across 36 states mm-hmm. and driven about 35,000 miles wow. you know on our own in a four-door sedan you yeah. know with the guitars in the back yeah yeah, yeah living <laughs> and it. that has kind of been a it has been an incredible adventure just to to experience all of that and i think we've captured a lot of that probably in some of the love songs we kind of feel sometimes this kind of bonnie and clyde thing yeah you know oh, yeah. because we'll you know we'll be a uh, it's it's hard to tell you know where we're going to be and uh, and what's going on sometimes, especially you know playing a show at a merch stand, you meet millionaires, and you meet people uh, people on the welfare line. And yeah. We just kind of threw ourselves into as much of this as humanly possible. And what's on the record, we just made very very sincere yeah. and kind of plain. You know, in the previous band, we got kind of heavy and produced, and we sure. just wrote very simple songs, mm-hmm. not wanting to overthink it. And uh, so I think kind of thematically, it kind of just follows. You know, a little bit of our story. Some of the songs aren't directly about us, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, every good song has a piece of you in it. So yeah. maybe yeah. we've embellished the truth here and there, but yeah, pretty much they're kind of, I guess, based on some of our experiences to get to this point. Yeah, it uh, it comes off so uh, honest and sincere, and that's definitely come coming straight from you guys. How are you how are you enjoying Nashville so far? It's a great city. We're loving it. Oh yeah, yeah totally. we've seen a huge amount of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. Because we've been on the road. So, so much, you were on the so. road with um, Greta Van Fleet, right? We've been on the road with, let's see if I can listen now. So we started with the Lone Bella and then Nicky Lane. Okay. And then, and then we went out with Nick Mulvey. And then we did, yes, our months with Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. And then we did six and a half weeks with Marcus King. And then we did a month oh, with Blackberry Smoke. This is incredible. And, yeah, man. Yeah. And then we just came off um, a couple of shows with Alison Krauss and Willie Nelson. Oh, oh. So, and, and then we did Europe with Josh Ritter as well. Fantastic. So this year we've, we've just... Uh, been so lucky to, to see some incredible talent and I think that you know what we're talking about the dynamic in the record mm-hmm. you know being, being able to open for you know, Willie Nelson and Quitter Van Fleet and then Josh Ritter yeah. you know it's completely different audiences yep. but this record kind of allows us to be able to do that we're able to kind of switch gears depending on who we're, we're opening up for you know it's kind of been mad yeah turn it up or turn it down a little bit yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw I saw um, I watched an amazing rendition you did with uh, Greta Van Fleet um, of the I Shall Be Release that, that's <laughs> incredible that's so incredible yeah man that, that was really fun we, we became really good friends with those guys oh, cool. they're really real real music lovers um, and uh 
I can tell you what, man, being on yeah. the road with those guys, it became just such a, you know, it's such a thing. It's like Beatles mania. Oh, really? They had fans yep. just like waiting for them at the dressing rooms. Wow. They bought bolt cutters trying to get to the van and like just crazy <laughs> That's shit. Amazing. That's amazing. It feels like a flashback. Gone. That's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and those kids, they're just, they're just so serious about their music. And for all cool. the press that they've had and what they're, they're really good guys. Yeah, that's cool to hear. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, uh... What's next for you guys? Where can we catch you? I see you at the um, are you at the Philly Folk Festival in uh, April. 5th? We are that? tomorrow. I that's, think. Yeah, that's yeah. just tomorrow. That's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like I've been on yeah. the I've been on the road myself. My, my days are a little messed up. Um, that's a that's a great lineup. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's gonna be really fun. Yeah, I love. You never know what you're gonna get. And then with these different festivals, we're going off and doing a a blues bender in Las Vegas as well in one of the casinos. Oh, cool. Then we're going to Tell Tell You Ride. There's a great festival up in Tell yep. You Ride playing. Yep. And then we do some of our own shows in Seattle and uh, Denver and LA. And then we're flying back to Europe again okay. and, and doing a lot of tiny clubs across Switzerland and Spain and Germany. Fantastic. Uh, and then hopefully we're going to do a big run trying to go back across a lot of the places we played this year with our own small headline shows across oh, cool. the states so everywhere on the kind of west coast and up from the south we're going to try and play in november and december oh, fantastic. if we're still alive if we're still alive <laughs> i know exactly you guys <laughs> this, this sounds exhausting but it sounds like a lot of fun out there and it's just i mean it's such such a cool album to 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 tour with and, and shine a light on i mean I love it. I'm, I'm actually really um, grateful to spread the word about it and about what you guys are doing. I've become, become a big fan of your music. So oh, thank, man. Thank, well, you. thank you so much. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's a big thing for us. This isn't a kind of hard-hitting record. And just to know that it's, you know, meets people and it's getting out there and it's slowly gathering its own fan base, it's just amazing. So thanks for taking the time yeah, to talk to us. definitely. I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Have All a right. good one. Take, take care, Chris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.
Let's see what he did for me. That's fine.